Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. These words of today's gospel acclamation are a paraphrase of words spoken by the Lord Jesus in chapter 11 of St. Matthew's Gospel, words in which he thanks his heavenly Father for the gracious design of revealing his eternal plan of salvation, not to those with great wisdom, but to those with profound humility. But exactly what are these mysteries of the kingdom of which the Lord speaks? When used in Holy Scripture, the word mystery signifies something known by God from all eternity and then gradually revealed by him to the human race according to his eternal plan. But not all men are able to receive such knowledge by divine revelation, usually because of intellectual vanity, spiritual hubris, or slavery to sin. And that is one reason why the Lord Jesus so often expressed his teaching in parables. We heard the Savior explain this in the Gospel two Sundays ago. In chapter 13 of St. Matthew, we read that the disciples approached Jesus and asked him, Why do you speak to the crowds in parables? He answered them, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look, but do not see, and hear, but do not listen or understand. Remember that by the beginning of chapter 11 of Matthew's Gospel, the Lord Jesus was already meeting fierce opposition to his teaching, and those who stood against him did so in part because they thought they knew better than Jesus did what God had planned for Israel. But despite their great learning, those who opposed Jesus looked but did not see and heard but did not understand. And in this gap between knowledge and wisdom, we find one of the deepest wounds in human nature, a flaw inherited at conception by every human person except our Savior and his Holy Mother, the stain of original sin, which darkens our intellects and twists our wills into rebellion against the eternal love of God. Because of man's fall from grace, we are tempted to think that whatever we want is good and that whatever we believe is true simply because we want it or believe it. That is what the father of lies promised Eve as the fruit of her rebellion against God's plan for human life. Your eyes will be opened, the serpent told her, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, by which he meant that we would be able to make things good and true just by wanting them, and to declare them to be evil and false just by not wanting them. But that was a deadly lie, and our fall from grace was sealed in the disobedience of our first parents to God's eternal plan for humanity. But the healing of original sin began at the very moment of our fall. It began with God's promise to send a woman the woman whose son would defeat our ancient enemy, 
And in the long ages between our exile and the coming of the Savior, God slowly prepared the world for the full and final revelation of his eternal plan in the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Among those chosen by God as instruments of his revelation was the son of David, King Solomon. As we read in the first lesson today from the first book of Kings, Solomon prayed, O Lord, give your servant an understanding heart that I may discern between good and evil. And so God gave Solomon the gift of wisdom to see and understand. And here is the answer to the serpent's lie. We cannot and do not make things good or true by desiring them. Instead, we learn what is good and true and beautiful if and when we allow ourselves to be taught by the designer and maker of all things, taught by God both through right reason and divine revelation. As Proverbs has it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Solomon prayed for an understanding heart and received the gift of wisdom because he placed himself among the little ones to whom is given knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom. And that is precisely what we must do if we are to be true disciples of the Lord Jesus. Chapter 13 of St. Matthew's Gospel contains several parables of the kingdom of heaven, each one revealing a different facet of the infinite riches of God's glory. In last Sunday's Gospel, the Savior compared the kingdom first to a field in which grows both wheat and weeds, then to the giant mustard tree which comes from the smallest of seeds, and finally to the tiny amount of yeast which causes all the bread to rise. In today's Gospel, the Lord Jesus likens the kingdom to both a buried treasure and a pearl of great price. And the response from us must be like that of the treasure hunter and the merchant. We must sacrifice everything for the kingdom and prefer God's glory above all else in our lives. That is why authentic Christian discipleship requires radical conversion and why it is not possible to be a part-time Christian. There is no place in the kingdom for anything contrary to the Father's eternal plan, which is why the unworthy catch is always taken from the net and thrown away. It is also why the angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. These are not comfortable words, but they are true words, words spoken by the Word made flesh, the one alone who is the way, the truth, and the life. This sober warning about the possibility of damnation is also among the mysteries of the kingdom revealed to little ones, and we should hear and heed this warning. But what about those who will not heed this warning? The simple truth is that most of us spend a good portion of our lives in an adolescent tantrum at God. We falsely believe that our existence is a contest of wills, 
and that if the will of God prevails, then we lose. We lose our freedom and dignity. But that view of life is simply false because God's eternal plan for our lives comes not from willfulness, but from the divine reason, which is the origin of all things. We are created by the eternal word of God, and our true personal dignity and eternal destiny are found only in everlasting communion with him. When we come to know, understand, and accept God's eternal word, then for the first time in our lives, we find authentic human freedom and interior tranquility, because then we know that the purpose of our existence is not to do whatever we want, but to share in the boundless glory of God, world without end. But what about those who still cling to their sins? What about those who hear the gospel but will not accept it? Like petulant children who chafe under parental authority, they seek to justify their sins by an appeal to a higher justice or a purer love or a greater wisdom or the search for ever-elusive freedom, meaning, and happiness, all of which are contained in the serpent's lie about us becoming like God. But friends, the way of rebellion leads only to sadness and self-absorption and loneliness, because true freedom and happiness are found only in God's grace, only in a life of virtue, only in the truth of the mysteries of the kingdom. And to learn of those mysteries, we must place ourselves among the little ones who ask for the gift of an understanding heart and who allow themselves to be taught by the word of God. But divine mysteries are not revealed only in words. In the Western Church, we speak of the seven sacraments, but in the Christian East, these same seven instruments of grace are called the sacred mysteries because these acts of worship reveal the Lord Jesus to the eyes of faith. And this meaning of the sacraments as mysteries is found also in our Western liturgy. Today, for example, the prayer over the offerings asks that these most sacred mysteries may sanctify our present way of life and lead us to eternal gladness. And the penitential rite at every Mass begins with these words, Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. But do we truly see Christ in his mysteries? Or do we look and not see? Do we heed the gospel as God's eternal word? Or do we hear and not understand? How many Catholics approach the sacred mysteries with understanding hearts, and how many without? If we will not admit that our sins are sins, then we have been deceived by the serpent's lie rather than enlightened by Solomon's example of the obedience of faith. If we do not repent of our sins and believe in the gospel, then receiving the sacraments will not lead us to a deeper knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom. And if we remain impenitent, then we are on the path to everlasting separation from God 
rather than on the way to eternal life. Today, the Lord Jesus asks us, as he asked the twelve, do you understand all these things? Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Friends, let us place ourselves among the little ones who seek the gift of understanding hearts from the God of eternal glory, the living God, who revealed himself to Solomon and granted him wisdom, not because Solomon was king or the son of David, but because in humility Solomon surrendered his intellect and will to the truth of God's eternal word, whom now we know and adore as the word made flesh, the son of Mary and God the Son, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Lord, Jesus Christ, 